We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Mind on My Money podcast presented by Pinnacle Trust. Hosted by RebelGrove.com publisher Neil McCrady and Pinnacle Trust financial guru Martin Palomo, the Mind on My Money podcast tackles the financial questions we're all thinking about. From paying for college to saving for retirement, from life insurance needs to 401ks and everything in between. The goal is to help you take the stress out of financial concerns and give you some tips to enjoy life while your mind is on your money. Now here are your hosts, Neil McCrady. And Martin Paloma. Welcome into another edition of Mind on My Money, presented by Pinnacle. I'm McCready, Martin Paloma with me today as well from Pinnacle, as always. We'll talk about a number of things today. It is um, Friday, April the 29th. We normally tape on Thursday, but Martin uh, was doing tequila shots all day yesterday morning. and uh, Celebrating our purchase of Pinnacle, and uh, we were early for, you know, celebrating my people's day of Cinco de Mayo. Yeah, I mean, so. someone someone told Martin <laughs> it was May 5th. He's like, son of a bitch, here I go. Well, uh, what's really the truth is I'm going to be I'm gonna be uh, out of pocket n- next week, May 5th, so I had to celebrate a week early. Well, there you go. <laughs> no, Martin had some stuff to do yesterday, so we're just taping it a day later. So it's uh, Friday, April the 29th. Hope everybody has a great weekend. Thanks for making us a part of your week. I'll tell you real quick that I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900. Call that number. Ask for Corey Clark. If you're in the market for a vehicle, it's weird car time, supply and demand, and post-pandemic. And I guess it's kind of one day it's post-pandemic. One day we're back back in the pandemic. Then it's post-pandemic again. It's, it's hard to keep up. Regardless, you want to make sure that uh, you get a quote. Uh, that that's that's good. That's fair. That's uh, you're not getting not getting railroaded a little bit in in a deal. Corey will help you with that. Six six two two five seven nineteen hundred. And Martin, before we tackle all of the topics of the day, uh, tell people what's going on there at Pinnacle. Man, we're taking tequila shots. Man, partying. I got the mariachi band. I hear him in, in the, the background. Wait, nope. Sorry, that was Deliverance. Uh, I totally jacked that up. I was going to say, that was so. a banjo. <laughs> that was the banjo. There we go. That's better. I got it. I got it right that time. Uh, no, we, uh, we do not have a mariachi band, although that would be cool. And, um, but you know, I, I don't know that Cubans don't share the, the same love for Cinco de Mayo as, uh, but I guess everybody's Mexican on Cinco de Mayo, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I love Cinco de Mayo. Uh, which on Cinco de Mayo, Christopher, uh, my oldest, is having uh, his senior class day, which I guess is awards. It's kind of weird, man. Today is his last official day of high school. Um, you know, I don't I don't generally get like uh Oh, hey, congratulations, by the way. I saw where he uh, he's going to play soccer and run track at Millsaps. That's awesome. Yeah, he is, man. I'm, I appreciate that. He is, he's excited, man. He really struggled with, um, with making a decision on what to do. And, uh, and I, you know, and I tried to, I tried to kind of stay out of it for the most part. Like if he asked me for my opinion or suggestions, I would, I, I would just kind of help and, you know, ask questions to him to, to let him wrestle with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, he, so he really wanted to go to UCF, University of Central Florida. Um, and he'll probably piss for me, 
piss at me for saying this on the on the air, but it's a it's a really competitive school. I mean, he's a smart kid, um, but the average in, the incoming freshman average GPA is a four point two five. ACT score is a twenty nine. SAT is like a twelve fifty or thirteen hundred. It's it's really competitive, um, more so than we thought. And and he got um, he got deferred for admission for UCF. They have rolling admission. Uh, anyway, long story. So he was kind of struggling. It's kind of weird. He got in at Auburn, got in at Clemson, you know, State, Ole Miss, Millsaps. But uh, his school, he really wanted to go. And he applied to my dad's alma mater, which is uh, University of Miami, which is also very competitive. Yeah. And uh, he got a straight decline for for Miami. It's just weird how, how uh, you know, like, I mean, I, I think of Clemson and Auburn as really competitive schools. Um, you know, he got in there. Anywho, but uh, he struggled with that decision, man. And he had a – so he had come to the decision he was going to go the junior college route, which is what I did, you know, out of high school. I played soccer at Holmes. But um, he is really – he's really good pole vaulting. He's – which kind of crazy. It's like something neither he nor – neither me nor his mother ever did we we had no experience with pole vaulting which is probably why he's great at it because because we have no idea what the hell we're talking about so we can't critique him um but uh he had at Millsaps he has the opportunity to pole vault and play soccer and what kind of happened was he took the ACT one last time trying to get his score up to try to get you know that admission into into UCF and um his score went up in Millsaps Cinema updated financial a scholarship offer and uh and he said well dad i think i'm gonna go this route and he did say too he's like you know the cool thing is is if he decides he doesn't want to play soccer or pole vault anymore since it's a since it's a d3 school um all the scholarship that he has is based on merit and academics it is not athletic so he won't lose scholarship if he ends up deciding that you know student athlete is is not for him, but so he's going to go there and do, um, they have a three, two program where you do three years at Millsaps and then you go do, they say two, it's realistically probably three years, um, at another school for, to get an engineering degree. And he can try to wrap up a, a business degree wise there. Anyway, man, sorry. I, I bragged on my kid, but you opened that door for me and, and I will, I'll take a, I'll take a minute to humbly brag on him. Yeah. I told my kids, I said, you will go to Arkansas period. (laughs) The end. (laughs) That's funny. You That's, did not say that. That is not true. I, I, knew, <laughs> I, I had no ties to uh, Arkansas. When Campbell chose Arkansas, she chose Arkansas completely on her own. Well, and that was, you know, Shelly and I, his mother, you know, didn't want to pressure him because we both went to Millsaps also, and we both went to Holmes. Um, and, you know, we wanted it to be his decision. And, uh, I'm kind, you know, he came to that decision on his own. It had nothing to do with, you know, pressure from – Either of us, even although, I mean, I will say I am kind of excited that, uh, and I would have been able to do it at Holmes if he would have gone to Holmes, but I am kind of excited to at least be able to watch him continue to play for for a little while, however long he decides to do it. The track meets will be a little harder because uh, they don't have, we talked to the track coach. She is, she was really impressive, the track coach at Millsaps, um, very thoughtful, like of how she said she was going to train him. Uh, she said she was going to train him like a sprinter and a gymnast, which I was like, that makes sense for, for pole vaulting. But um, anyway, their meets are not in Jackson. They're in like Arkansas, uh, Memphis, Birmingham. So I may have to travel to go watch those. Anyway, I'll be quiet, man. I'm talking a lot about myself, and I'll talk about my kid for the whole time. No, it's good. It's good. It's always good to talk but about thanks, kids. But thanks, thanks for the shout out, man. Yeah, man. I'm sure he'll appreciate it too. Cool. We can embarrass him. We should. I'm sure. I'm well, sure he doesn't listen. That's part of. And I doubt that none of his friends listen. You don't think they're listening to mine on my money? Man, they, all they listen to all the cool kids. All the cool kids listen to mine on my money. All the cool kids listen to mine on my money. Dude, so I did get an email. I got an email from a listener, um, and I've been getting a couple of emails from listeners. You know, recently, and um, <laughs> that's the point. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kind of cool, man. It's like, <laughs> you know, people are like, hey something happened and you know now i have you know either have something i didn't have before or an event happened and they're like i've been listening to you know neil on oxford exxon for 
you know, years and I've listened to you guys on mind on my money a little bit. And they're like, you know, can we talk? It's kind of, it's kind of cool. I mean, like I really enjoy doing this with you every week in and of itself, but it's, you know, it's cool when we can actually help people too. Yeah, sure. Of course. That's, that's the point. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Thanks Neil. That's that's the goal. Um, Yeah. And that's good. Um, Let's see what, what all we want to talk about. Cause yesterday I couldn't remember, right. We were doing Oxford Exxon podcast, and I was doing the Pinnacle Reader, and I'm like, "Wait a minute!" In the back of my mind, you know that that voice that goes in the back of your mind as you're reading something, and it's like, "Hey, are you doing that today? Did, was this the week Martin said he was going to be gone?" And then right about that time, it was like it was unbelievable, it was uncanny. You texted me like, "Hey, uh, I got an issue. Can we bump to tomorrow?" And I was like, "Yo, yeah, that's cool." I, anyway, the uh, the topic yesterday that I think we would have led with is one that I think we ought to lead with today because okay, let's do it. I'm looking for, uh, looking for the story. Okay, cool. Uh, well, and we while you're looking for the story, can we just talk about how choppy and crazy markets are right now too? I mean, because you know, uh, Wednesday was like, you know, worst day in the market since, you know, September of 2020 or worst day for the night. And then followed immediately by, best day in the markets it's like man it is so choppy right now and uh dude if you're trying to trade this you probably could get lucky a couple times before you get your head cut off uh which man i would and i know there are people out there that day trade and do it and but they're married to their computer because they're constantly watching you know what's happening second to second, but gosh, it is yeah. it is so choppy, man. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I couldn't do it. I, I, I in fact, I don't want to do it. No, <laughs> I don't f- want a day trade. In fact, I didn't even open my last monthly statement on the four hundred one k. Don't. I, I'll let everybody on. I'll let everybody on the show know when it's okay to look at your statement again. <laughs> well, at some point, I just won't get one because there won't be anything left. Um, oh my gosh, Neil, that is not true, dude. No, it's not. It's not. It feels that way, though. You sound like my mom, man. Well, I mean, and now if you tell me that, and I will tell you, you tell me, me tell now you, that me, we're going to go bury gold in the in the backyard, and well, not in the backyard. All that stuff. I'm not in the backyard, side yard. No, it's side yard. Yeah. Everybody knows to go look <laughs> in the back. <laughs> all right. So oh, this man. is uh, this is from Sarah Cheney Cambone, the Wall Street Journal. What's up, Sarah? Oh, is it Sarah? I wonder if she goes by Sarah or Sarah Cheney. If she's from the South, it's definitely the North. Yeah, but the last name Cambone does not kind of has a French feel to it, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, but they, she could be from New Orleans oh, or she Louisiana. Could be, she so. could be, and so her name would be Sarah Cheney. Maybe so. Yeah, because if she went to like school at any any of the big Southern schools with the sororities, yeah, she could have gone to Tulane or Loyola. Or, yeah, her name would be Sarah Cheney. Yeah, let's just call her Sarah Cheney. Okay, SC SC. All right, SC writes, uh, the U.S. economy shrank in the first quarter as supply disruptions weighted on output, but underlying strength in consumer and business spending suggested growth will soon resume. Hmm. The decline in U.S. growth, growth, the decline in U.S. gross domestic product, otherwise known as GDP, at a 1.4% annual rate marked a sharp reversal from a 6.9 annual growth rate in the fourth quarter. The yep. Commerce Department said Thursday, the first quarter was the weakest since spring 2020 when the COVID-19 pandemic and related shutdowns drove the U.S. economy into a deep, albeit short, recession. The drop stemmed from a widening trade deficit. Imports to the U.S. surged and exports fell, dynamics reflecting pandemic-related supply chain constraints. A slower pace of inventory investment by businesses in the first quarter, compared with the rapid buildup of inventories at the end of last year, also pushed growth down. In addition, fading government stimulus, thank God, God. spending related to the pandemic, weighed weighed on GDP. Consumer spending, the economy's main driver, rose at a 2.7% annual rate in the first quarter, a slight acceleration from the end of last year. Businesses also poured more money into equipment and research and development, triggering a 9.2% rise in business spending. So let me see if I'm getting this right, Martin. Yep. So 
gloom and doom on the top line. And then it's like, dude, that's, those are good things that she's reading about. Yeah. Or writing about. So we're still trying to climb out of a pandemic that we yeah. artificially extended for too long. That's my, yep. that's my opinion. Correct. Um, but we did. And now we're kind of paying the price for that. But there are some signs that basically, hey, we're, we're on our way back to, quote, normal, end quote, yep. ec- economically. It, it, it just we might hit some bumps in the road. So yep. I, that's my thought. And I mean, I think SC is a pretty good writer here. And the Wall Street Journal is a pretty neutral, maybe even slightly right leaning publication. So but yet yesterday I saw some people out there. And in fairness, they were kind of the far right wing kind of guys. They were out there going, "Oh boy, here we go! You better, you better, you better brace up, brace! Here we go, we're about to get hit." I'm like, "What? What? Wait! What? What is that based on?" And this is not to get off track, but this is why media are important. Media is important, and and my my field owes every single one of you a very sincere apology for what has happened, because now nobody knows what to trust, or who to trust, or who you can listen to, or who you can believe. Because this feels like a pretty balanced article that our friend SC is writing here, and I'm I'm like I'm okay, I'm, I'm like okay, okay, so things are going well. I mean, she, you know, the GDP report is unlikely to change the Federal Reserve's plans to raise interest rates rapidly this year, including by a half percentage point at a two-day meeting next week. One reason the report is likely to add to concerns that the economy is growing too fast. Private demand in the first quarter grew at a 3.7% annual rate, well above the 1.8% growth the Fed expects for the overall economy over the long run. So I'll shut up now, but tell me tell me what, what you take from all of this. Sure. So, and, and, and we've, we've talked about it in previous shows, too, that a lot, I think a lot of the issues with inflation, so a couple of issues. One was there was so much government stimulus. Um you know, and I think did, we talked about the apples, right? Where it was like you had 10 apples and $10. So theoretically, each apple was worth, um, you know, a dollar each. Then the government pumped in, let's just say for easy math, you know, another 10 bucks. So you had $20 and 10 apples. And so you know, intrinsically, each apple went from being worth $1 to $2. Then we had a supply chain glut, right, where we we couldn't get the things we needed to make more apples. So in supply, there was a reduction. So then we had five apples, and we still had $20 chasing five apples. So now those five apples essentially became worth $4 each. In reality, the dollars were really the apples were really worth a dollar, but because of an injection of cash from the government, and then we had a supply shortage, there became a lot more money chasing a lot less apples. So that's kind of how you get to, you know, I know that was very elementary, but that's kind of how inflation works, you know, and we're coming out. I think we're still on the backside of this supply chain glut. I, I feel like we are we are getting healthier with our supply chain. And I think a lot of, I think a lot of companies, you know, domestically as well, kind of got burnt during this process and and realized how dependent we were on, um, you know, on other countries to make uh, the things that we need, you know, here in the U S. So I bet you'll see, you know, when I, when I hear that there was a lot more investment in equipment research technology from domestic companies, you know, I hope that that translates into, we are we are creating our own supply chain, you know, inside of the U.S. And I realize, you know, I can't blanket statement that and say that we will never depend on any other country in the in the rest of the world to get anything we need because that's that's not true. Um, but as much as we can produce locally, uh, does help with you know with these with these issues. You know, consumer spending. You said popped uh creeped up was it like 2.7 percent three was that's a 3.7 3.7 let, let me see make sure make sure i got that right hold on let's see uh con- yeah you, you were right i'm sorry consumer spending increased by 2.7 2.7 okay and then so there was a 9.2 or whether it was 9.2 business it doesn't, it doesn't matter what the what the number was but it was positive 
meaning that consumers are, the consumer is still healthy. And that's what I keep trying to remind, you know, with all of this volatility when, you know, when we're, when Reed and I are talking with, you know, an investment management unit with our other team members, you know, we, which we want to keep going, Hey, we have a healthy consumer. This is not 2008 where you looked at the consumer and the consumer was, you know, woefully over leveraged, um, you know, on average, the consumer today, the U S consumer is really healthy. And I mean, the, the government kind of, you know, shored a lot of that up with, um, you know, with all the t-shirt cannon money that was shot out, you know, to individuals and even to businesses, man. I mean, you know, there's a lot of businesses out there that got a pretty substantial sum of money, um, you know, in PPP and some of them were, you know, it made, it was the difference of life or death for their business. And I have, I have those friends that especially that were like in the dental field where it was life or death because um, they were unable to practice. And then, you know, and then I, there are other businesses that, yeah, they, they didn't really need, they didn't have such a bad impact on business, but they were eligible for it and they got it. So then they just, you know, either stuffed it away in the rainy day fund or they started investing back into their business, all of which is still good for our economy. So I'll, I'll stop verbally vomiting all over you and say that everything that, that SC wrote in her article still says the economy, the, the economy is in good shape and is strong. And that's why you're going to see the fed is going to continue to raise interest rates and they, and they need to. Um, and I won't be critical of, of Jay Powell. I think, you know, it's very obvious to us now that, that they should have started last year, but I mean, the toothpaste is out of the tube. Can't do anything about that. The only thing he can do now is, you know, is try to play catch up as best as he can without putting, you know, the economy into a, you know, stalling the economy into a recession, which I think that's, you know, that's going to be the hard part for him is, is, uh, is creating the, you've probably heard the term, you know, soft landing versus a hard landing. Hard landing could be like, Hey, we're just going to go ahead and take our medicine, rip the bandaid off. We're going to raise short-term interest rates, you know, by 1% or 2% and just be done with this thing. And then it's going to put the economy into a recession, albeit I think it would still be a shallow and short recession, but you kind of just crash into that. Right. Whereas if he's trying to manufacture a, a soft landing where, he can raise rates without stalling the economy, which is possible, but man, he's got a impossible job, but he has the whole time he's been the fed chair too. All right. I'll shut up. Yeah. So reading just some more, this is a, there's a lot here. She says, uh, many economists think that the economy can withstand higher interest rates and return to modest growth in the second quarter and beyond in part because consumers and businesses are continuing to spend. Boom. Um, Thank you, SC. I'm not (laughs) because my tax, burden was higher than i anticipated uh yes sir mine too yeah i wonder how many and, uh, i've heard that i don't a lot, think that's going to relent with who we currently have well the good news the country, no so. it's not no it's but not. november's coming the good news is november's coming and we're going to have two years <laughs> of gridlock <laughs> yes gridlock's coming i mean the the, the 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 there's not to get political because i know the left is super upset these days but it's going to be an ass whipping in november and then we're going to get into two years of gridlock, and it's going to be on both parties because I think both parties have some real soul searching to do. Anyway, uh, consumers are spending more on services amid lower COVID nineteen case totals. Bob, lifting of pandemic restrictions. Travel's a key example. U.S. hotel occupancy was at sixty five point eight percent for the week ending April twenty third, up from forty nine point six percent at the end of January. More people are also boarding planes. About 2.1 million people passed through airport checkpoints in late April, up from 1.4 million three months early, earlier, according to the Transportation Security Administration. Uh, gives an example. Uh, George Lewis, co-owner of Brass Lantern Inn in Stowe, Vermont, is seeing a surge in demand. Visits to his bed and breakfast on Maple Street are running strong with rooms selling out some weekends this spring, a sharp shift from earlier in the pandemic when the inn relied on small business aid to survive. 
Um, yeah, it's just kind of it, it's you know it's interesting because prices at the grocery store are up, fuel prices are up. Um, people are still traveling. I wonder how many people are yeah. like me. Were I mean, look, I'm not complaining. I had a good year, but I I mean we thought we thought we were going to get a refund. We were paying so aggressively monthly and quarterly and instead owed some, not a bunch, but some enough that I was like, ah, that I'm not, I mean, I, I killed our vacation, just killed it. Just put a knife straight in it, ate the deposit and just, just said goodbye. Bleh. Yeah. I'm not super popular in my house right now. I bet not, man. No. I, mean, I think vacationing is, is is it also is mentally healthy and emotionally healthy for you? Too. It is, but it's uh, not financially. But I, it's not, I mean, I get it, dude. If, just if, not uh, the best move. I would, I would be if Uncle Joe takes it from you. You have to take it from somewhere. So I would be laying on the beach thinking about what I what this money could have done, and that's not that's that's not good. Well, I mean, and speaking of laying on the beach, you know, we we were looking at um, my nieces are graduating. Uh, the middle of the month of May. And we were looking at, uh, you know, just getting a con. They live in Fairhope and we were going to go down where are, we are going down, not where we are going down for their, their graduation. And I was like, Hey, you know, why don't we look for a condo for three nights? Um, right in the middle of the week. I mean, it would have been like Tuesday night or Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, you know, they, they graduate on Wednesday. We would come back you know, Thursday, I can work remotely from, from there. I did it during the pandemic and man, um, three nights now versus, and I know this is not a fair comparison. When we went, my other niece, my oldest niece, she graduated two years ago, like right in the middle of in 2020 in the middle of the pandemic. And my stay was like $400 for, for three nights, um, or four nights. I'm sorry. Um, in Gulf Shores and my stay for three nights was going to be same like Phoenix three or four. I mean, we're not trying to go super fancy. Um, and it was going to be like $1,600. So it was like four times the cost and one less night. So dude, yeah. Prices of vacations, especially beach vacations have gotten significantly more expensive. Yeah. You know, and you have to factor in how much it's going to cost for you to drive to the beach, which is going to be, about hell double what it was a year ago yeah to drive to the beach um food's more expensive so going out is more expensive if you go to the the Publix that i like so much and stock up it's 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 gonna be more expensive i wish we had Publix in mississippi man oh i wish we had more grocery stores in oxford period it would be it would be nice yeah our listeners that have access to Publix. I'm jealous. Yeah. I do love Publix, man. Compet- and I think it's, I don't know. Maybe it's because it feels like home from when I was a kid, oh, you know, in be. Florida. Yeah. So. There you go. Anyway, um, hey, sorry. Yeah, no, that's okay. So that's, that's the big story economically. Yeah. And, you know, and at the end of all of this, the economy is, the economy is in good shape. Um, the consumer is in good shape. You know, do we have some headwinds? in front of us yeah we do because interest rates have got they've got to go up you know and the funny thing is is you know kind of listening to housing you know i would i would think that you know interest rates would scare away rising interest rates would scare away you know a lot of uh potential buyers but honestly it looks like people are trying to say just go ahead and lock in you know whatever they're trying to do now before rates go up even more which is which is smart um but, you know, I haven't seen housing stall yet. Uh, no. And it looks like it's going to just keep on. I mean, and so full disclosure for us, too, we're moving from uh, Lost Rabbit to into town, into the Butler Snow Building. And, and it's in the Renaissance area in Ridgeland. You've, you've probably passed the building when, oh, you're, yeah, for sure. when you're coming south. Um, really nice building. And we looked a year ago and... The rent prices were roughly the same, um, but my gosh, man, the cost of construction, and I know I'm preaching to the choir, and, and everyone who's listening is like, he's, you know, we all know this, 
but the cost of construction for us for very minimal um, modifications to the space was just almost, I mean, like puke level sickening. Uh, but, but I have to do it. Like it's, it's not a, I, I don't have a choice. I have to, I have to make the modifications. So I don't, I don't, you know, there's not, there's no other alternative, uh, you know, for me. And you just got to bite the bullet and do it. But we're excited about moving too. Y'all have to, everyone have to come hang out at the, at the new space and check it out. Yeah, for sure. Maybe we'll have a party there. Yeah. Tequila. Tequila. Um, and the mariachi man. Yeah. Uh, this is, man, our, our, our girl SC was busy yesterday oh another one from her another one from her and she had some help with this one uh okay gabriel t rubin assisted i'm sure he did not do very much i have a feeling sc wrote sc did all the work she did all of it and he like added a couple of words and when i get a byline i bet she was pissed i bet sc i'm just thinking about it i bet sc was like he didn't do jack just trying to come in and steal the limelight yeah just trying to hey gabriel it's not a good look hanging on the coattails like that, buddy. No, nah, dude. You got to uh, write your own, man. Anyway, uh, <laughs> they write, compensation for American workers grew rapidly in the first quarter as a tight labor market put more money in workers' pockets while also keeping pressure on inflation. Business and government employee, employers spent 4.5% more on worker cost in the first quarter compared with the same period a year ago without adjusting for seasonality, the Labor Department said Friday. That marked the fastest increase in records dating to 2001, and the gain eclipsed 4.0 annual 4.0 percent annual growth in the fourth quarter. Compensation for workers also accelerated on a quarterly basis, rising a seasonally adjusted 1.4 percent in the first quarter compared with a 1.0 percent increase in the fourth quarter. The growth reflected strengthening wages, salaries, and benefits. That has helped households continue to spend and support the economy. Consumer spending rose 1.1% in March, the Commerce Department said Friday, as Americans spent more on services such as travel and dining, as well as goods such as gasoline and uh, food. Big pay gains for workers reflect their increased bargaining power, but also threaten to keep inflation high. Companies need to pass on companies need to pass on price increases to consumers to compensate for higher labor cost, economists said. Consumer prices rose 6.6% in March from a year before, up from February's revised 6.3% increase and the fastest pace since 1982, the Commerce Department said Friday. Yeah, you know, I mean, and, and, you know, uh, wages and wage inflation does continue to you know push the push the inflation boat ahead and i you know the only thing that stops that is when there's going to be some point when um you know employers say hey i can either automate this this position and i will save that salary or they'll start saying hey i gotta my costs are now prohibitive for me to turn a profit in this business and and you know and i've got to cut costs and then they'll start being you know, layoffs, uh, folks and people being asked, well, Hey, you know, we got to let, we got to let Jimmy go. So, you know, Sue, I need you to pick up some of Jimmy's work and Billy, you're going to pick up some of Jimmy. They just, they'll spread it out. And that's, I mean, that's kind of the cycle of, you know, of generally how things go. Um, or, you know, they, they do have to pass those prices on to the end user, which at some point the end user makes the same decision. You know, am I willing to spend this dollar amount on this item or am I going to find an alternative uh, for it? And, you know, and for us, you know, a lot of folks probably wouldn't think, you know, in my business that we have inflation um, in our business. But, man, we've had a significant amount of of inflation. Our vendors, um, you know, software costs have gone up, um, you know, my price of uh, you know, utilities and things like that have gone up. Um, and we have not raised, you know, our prices and, you know, we've actually had the conversation of, do we just take it on the chin and, and eat it? Or do we, you know, or do we increase, you know, even if it's just a little bit, do we increase our, you know, our fee? And for now we settled on, 
you know, we're just going to take it on the chin for a little bit. But at some point, you know, if it doesn't abate, we might actually for we actually did a reduction of cost last year, which is crazy. man. <laughs> we did a reduction of our client cost last year when we did this transition because we saved some uh, we saved some costs by switching our custodian. So we just passed it along to our to our client and reduced fees by about, you know, 15 percent. Um, and I looked at Carol and I was like, ah, I just gave them 15, a 15% discount. I, I don't know. I, I kind of feel bad if we go back and ask for, you know, uh, a 5% increase after we gave them a 15% discount. And she's like, they're still saving money. I was like, yeah, you're right. Um, but we, you know, but those are things that are going to hit all businesses, not just, you know, not just manufacturers or retailers, you know, the service industry feels the same. I mean, like my, I've, I've got to go to, uh, New York next week for, a conference and you know, my hotel cost, um, my travel costs are, are higher than, than they have been in the past. So it's all real, man. It's all real. Oh, for sure. Um, unemployment's unemployment rates, 3.6%. So 11, <laughs> 11 stra- like, dude, if you want a job, you can find one. 11 straight months of gains <laughs> over 400,000. Uh, employers face a dwindling pool of workers from which to hire. Hey, hang on a yep. year. I, I know someone coming out. Um, 11. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's right. Yeah. 11.3 million she's, job. She's openings. really smart out of Arkansas. Yeah. She's, she's, yeah. She got, yeah. It's all good. That's what I, I, it's funny. I mean, like I remember coming out of college, you were stressed out about, can you, can you find a job? And you know, I ended up taking a job that was a pay cut from bartending, but, um, Oh, dude, I didn't know you bartended in college. I, I did too, man. Yeah, I bartended in, in graduate school. Sure did. I mean, that's a great that's, – I think that's the best legal way to make money as a student. It is. It's uh, Working in the restaurant business, and it teaches you a lot of life skills. Yeah, you learn a lot bartending. Yep. You, you, learn, you learn so many different people skills. Yep. And I know people hear me say that and they're like, you don't have a lot of people skills, but I do. <laughs> I just choose to avoid people. Yeah. Um, managing people. Yeah. But you learn how or to, when you realize you can't manage them to avoid them. Yes. Yeah. You learn how to deal with different people. I, I would, that's, I would love to go back and bartend, um, knowing what I know today as a 20 something year old, that would be fantastic. But you deal with a lot of people, like people come in there and, like the interesting ones is the guy that would come in like it. Okay. I, I, we won't stay here long. I promise the guy that would come in at like two o'clock on a Friday afternoon. Yeah. Cause the bar wouldn't get packed until, you know, four and he's in that two or even like one thirty, and you're busy. Cause Friday is a, so I had, I had, I had, cause I was in grad school and I had an assistantship. And Friday was my one day that I didn't have the assistantship and I didn't have classes. And so Friday was my just load up day. And so I worked at a, at a restaurant that had a big bar and stuff. It was a Mexican restaurant, which I know makes it sound like now it would be nothing, but there it was the hottest place in Monroe at that time. And, um, I had the day shift on Friday, which was twofold. It meant that you were going to have a pretty busy lunch crowd. Yep. It meant you were going to have an early happy hour crowd. And it meant you were the one stocking for the night shift. And that was a lot of stocking. So, man, I would show up to work on Friday, like 7 a.m., 7.30 a.m. And I would cut. Get all your pre-work done. Yeah, cutting limes. Yep. Um, stocking the beer, making sure we had all the, the, the drafts. Everything was ready. I, where I could tell them what level we were, where I knew where the, the next keg was. Um. Uh, made all the margarita that you'd put in. Um, had to blend up the strawberries so that you could put that in the strawberry margarita. Thing. It was a lot to do, and so basically, I would work for like two and a half hours, run back to my apartment, shower, put on my fancy uniform, and then come back to work. And I was good for a while, but in on that Friday, you were always thinking about um, the two – I was bartending by myself until 4 o'clock. And then one guy would come in at 4 to help 
it was kind of in a transitional deal. He would come in at four and help me with bartending, but also allow me to circle back and top off all the stock stuff. Like if I needed to cut another bucket of limes, if I needed to go get more uh, Budweiser or Bud Light or Takati or whatever the case may be where I had that stocked up because it was going to get so busy on Friday night that those guys wouldn't be able to stock while they worked. Yep. Does that make sense? And it's it, No, I dude, I've been there. I, well, I've been on the – when you run out of beer in the, in the reach-in fridge that's in front of you. Yeah. And you've got to make the runs to – the back and it doesn't sound like it's a big deal, but like every second when you're bartending on a busy night is crucial. Yeah, and so and, the, and if you take unnecessary steps, then you just inevitably get behind. Yeah, so the guy would come yep. in like at one thirty and sit there, and so you had this deal where you realized he's here to chat. He's wanting to talk. Like it wasn't, you know, he'd be like, "Hey, what's going on?" You're like, "Ah, damn it." You know, because now he, he, he wants to have a conversation. And he kind of – what he sees is you just standing there in a mostly empty bar. He thinks you got nothing going on. That's right. When in reality, you're like a duck on top of the water. Your feet are yep. moving, right? I mean – Yep. So, so you, you know, you'd have to have that conversation, but you needed to kind of keep moving. You had to be efficient. I learned a lot about time management, about efficiency, yep. because what the, the worst part about Friday for me was that – I was also kind of on call for a little while. And what I learned the first couple of times that I got called in, it was mostly because it was my fault. I didn't stock thoroughly enough. And so after a while, because I wanted to get done Friday, right? I wanted to walk out of that bar at 6.15, go back to my apartment, take a shower, and then I wanted to go out, you know, go see, go get out, get out and enjoy myself. And, go to Cormier's and get crawfish and shrimp or go someplace and, 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 you know, um, whatever. And, but I was on call until, you know, about seven thirty eight o'clock. And if they called and said, Hey, we need you to come back in. There go my plans. And once I, and I always knew this, if I got called back in, I wasn't leaving. Yep. I wasn't leaving. I was probably going to be there till at least 10 or 11 and maybe till close. Yeah, I was going to do closing yep. side work. And well, oh, yeah. and then they, you know, you get, it gets to be 11 o'clock. And like, well, I'm not going out now. I'm here. I might as well work. And then, you know, the bar closes at 1. And next thing you know, you've worked a shift that started at essentially 7. And you're walking out of there at 2.30 in the morning. And so, anyway, but you learn a lot about dealing with people. And then when it's packed and you the, the drunk guy and the the <laughs> insanely drunk guy that's being obnoxious to your guest, typically your female guest, and you're having to, hey, chill, you know, or point out to security, hey, this guy probably needs a breather, you know, and and then the whole obviously over-serving somebody <clears throat> and checking IDs and someone comes in that you know is underage and they want a beer and you're like, I can't do it. And not in this setting, you know, there's settings where I could look at your fake ID and go, okay, but not this setting, and um, there was a lot to learn. Yeah, it's a it's a really good life experience. The service industry, yep. waiting tables, is a good life experience. Yeah, no, it's a hundred percent, man, and and it and it makes you deal with. You got to think critically, and you got to learn how to do conflict resolution quick. Um, you know, and usually, and I, I never I never tried to pass stuff off to the back of the house where I'd be like, oh, you know, the kitchen messed something up. I mean, I'd own up to it if it was if it was my fault, and I'd be like, look. I did this. It's my fault that it's, you know, and, and generally I'd be like, Hey, what can I do to make it right? How about a beer on the house? How about a dessert on the house? And, and fortunately our, our restaurant owner gave us that authority. That's like, Hey man, if you mess something up, you know, don't let them walk out pissed. It's like, get them a beer, get them a dessert, try to get them happy so that they come back. He, and he got it. He understood. He's a, he was a great guy to work for. Um, but man, I learned, I learned a ton, um, you know, waiting tables and, and bartending, you know, and, and time management, you're spot on because yeah, my shift quote unquote started at 4 PM in the afternoon. But if I showed up at four, oh, I was done. I was getting skull drugged that night because my opening side work would, you know, would take me two hours and then at six and the bar's packed, just like you said, man. And you can't do side work at six o'clock 
or you're you're done. You're screwed. Oh yeah, yeah. It's too late then. You've got to be. You're not cutting a bucket of limes while the <laughs> while your bar's packed. Yeah, late. while you got servers. And I don't know if you guys had a service bartender and like a regular bartender, but we didn't. Our restaurant wasn't big enough. Uh, to, yeah, we had we so on, on crowded nights we had a service bartender. Yeah, you had to because because that was the other thing, right? Was that and you know during lunches and stuff that's what they don't see when they're just sitting at your bar is that you're also doing the service for the peop, for the for the restaurant for the restaurant the the waiters yeah. and waitresses are putting in orders that are popping up on your thing you're like okay I got to make two margaritas I got to do this and you know and then you hear the guy in the behind you hey can I get another beer and it's like yep yeah, you want to go yeah hold on lift a finger and you're like nope I'm coming I got it and you just have to you're like yeah I'll be right there and it's it's yeah it's a challenge yeah. And when, you get, and, when, and when you get and when you get super yep. slammed, you, you you what you want to do is just, just go go, hide. go in, well. You want to go into worker mode where you're not communicating. You just go. Yep. Yep. And you, and you can't do that because you got to talk to your customers and because you want them to come back and you you want them to tip you well. Yep, dude. I can remember the feelings of and for me it was always Valentine's Day and uh, like New Year's Eve. I just knew it's like you're walking into the gauntlet. There's, there's, you know, you're going to be, you know, slammed and underwater the whole night. And those nights would just, I would like, I'd feel like, okay, six o'clock, you know, came. And then all of a sudden it's 2 a.m. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that just happened in a whirlwind. And then, but I'm swimming in buckets of cash from, from all the, all the tips that we made. So I'm like, okay, that was worth it. But I couldn't do that every night. Well, if you made a mistake, you might have been subject to the Disinformation Governance Board. <laughs> Are we going to go there? Just want to get your thoughts on it. Uh, conservatives on social media slammed the Biden administration after it was announced that a Disinformation Governance Board is being established to combat disinformation in the 2022 midterms. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas testified Wednesday that a Disinformation Governance Board had recently been created days after Tesla CEO Elon Musk purchased Twitter to combat online disinformation and will be led by Undersecretary for Policy Rob Silvers and Principal Deputy General Counsel Jennifer Gaskell. Um, let's see, I need to scroll past this. The goal, this is Mayorkas talking, the goal is to bring the resources of DHS together to address this threat adding that the department is focused on the spread of disinformation in minority communities. Missouri Senator Josh Howley referred to the board as a, quote, disgrace and wrote a letter to Mayorkas demanding answers as to how the board will operate. Is there anything more dystopian than a disinformation governance board run by the federal government? Florida Republican con congressional candidate Dr. Willie J. Montague tweeted, adding in a later tweet that the board is, quote, Orwellian, referring, of course, to George Orwell's <laughs> yes. 1984. Um, they didn't need a disinformation governance board until Elon Musk threatened their control over the narrative, uh, tweeted Congressman Troy Nels. Uh, yeah, the Republicans were really upset with this. Uh, this, this. This has been a weird week. Uh, Musk buys Twitter. Frankly, and I don't mean this to be critical of anybody, but the left went nuts. I mean, they lost their mind that Musk bought Twitter. And now they're doing this disinformation governance board. Yeah, it's like, what are you trying to cover up or protect? Yeah, Megan. If there's nothing there, then what's the big deal? Megan Basham, who's a reporter for the Daily Wire, uh, tweeted, Biden's disinformation governance board is a real world ministry of truth. A conservative movement that doesn't fight this with everything it has isn't worthy of the name, et cetera, et cetera. They just go on and on. Politico reported that Nina, Nina Jenkowitz, who previously served as a disinformation fellow at the Wilson Center, will head the board as executive director. Jenkowitz suggested during the 2020 presidential election that Hunter Biden's laptop which has been verified by multiple media outlets, was a, quote, Russian influence op. 
Jankowitz retweeted her comment on Wednesday, claiming she was simply live tweeting the presidential debate between Biden and Trump at the time. Yeah. I just go back to the same thing that I've been saying for a while now. 2022, the, the elections in, in November, we all know where they're going. Um, and then after that, I think both parties are going to retreat to their uh, their corners. And if they're smart, they're going to soul search. It is going to be a, it's going to be a, it is definitely going to be an interesting, I, I think midterms will probably be not super surprising and, and if they are then I've, I've got a lot of questions yeah if they are uh, I, think, I think everybody does I mean I, I think the question with November will be how bad <clears throat> is yep. it going to be for the for the Democrats knowing that it's going to be really bad and then what will be most interesting coming out of that is how do they respond to it you know when when you get when you get whipped I mean I'll go back Mike to, Tyson punches you in the face yeah I always go back to like football stuff because that's just what I do for a living when you get beat really bad there's a tendency to go, hey, we're going to throw this one in the trash. We're not going to watch this film. No, no, no. We need to watch it. We need to learn from this film. Yeah. What what happened? Because the goal is, hey, guys, this this can't happen again, right? I mean, you know, you, you get beat real bad on Friday night, and you 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 head to the, uh, the field house on Saturday morning. You know, two things are going to happen in that meeting. The coaches, well, they yelled at you the night before. And they're still pissed, but they've had a night to sleep on it. And so now the conversation is, all right, guys, took a look at this film. It's ugly. This is not going to be a fun hour or two, but we got to learn from this and we got to get better. We got to go to work Monday. We got to apply. We got to, got to learn some lessons here in the next minute or next couple hours and then get ready on Monday because we play whoever on Friday and, and, and we, we, this can't happen again. We got to have a better feeling. And so I, I do think that will be the most interesting thing for the for the Democrats coming out of that of that cycle is okay, we just got our ass kicked. What do we do? And it's so interesting to watch the lead up to this because you would think that someone inside that room would go, Hey, we probably don't need to do a disinformation governors or thing. Probably not a great idea. This is probably not gonna go over very well. No. You know, and, and yet they just don't seem capable of that yet. And meanwhile, on the other side, the Republicans keep going, see, we're going to bring Trump back. And it's like, that's, that, nope. that is probably not your best move, champ. That's probably not. No, that is not probably. Can we just both agree that that is, oh, I think that, it's, is, I, not, I, I, that I, is not the best move? I, I, I mean, not to get too deep on politics here because we're 51 minutes in. I, 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 think, yeah. I think if you're the, if you're the Republican Party right now today. Now, look, there's a lot of time between. April the 29th, 2022, and November the whatever that will be, 2024. There's, we got a minute. But um, I, I, don't, I don't think there's any doubt that if you were putting odds today on you know who wins that election in 2024, you would bet on the Republican. Unless I told you that Republican was Trump. At which point I'd be like, I don't know, man. I don't I don't. He might motivate them in a way that they could hang on. I mean, if you told me that it was Joe Biden two and a half years from now running for reelection, I mean, I would question. I would question whether he could even get through that, much less win an election, unless you told me it was Trump, because I think there would be millions of people who would just vote against Trump. I don't, there would be people who obviously would vote against DeSantis, for example, but I don't think they would be anywhere near as motivated to vote against him. And motivation is a big part of an election. So if you told me it was today, DeSantis and, I don't know, Nikki Haley or Scott or somebody on a ticket against Biden and I assume Harris, I would predict an absolute landslide. Yeah, I mean, I know, I know DeSantis has been taking some heat with uh with the Disney, with the Disney stuff. Um, he, he did, but you know what? That was that was probably the kind of thing that was very his that stance was very appealing to your proverbial soccer mom, the the moderate 
female vote that doesn't like a lot of nasty politics but just wants their kids to be protected. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and it looks like as we're getting into the details of all of the stuff, it's like it's not even going to be able to happen anyway. Well, let me see. Disney Disney has some outs for, you know, dragging their feet on paying a bond off because it can't revert to the county until the bonds are satisfied. He knew which, he knew what he was doing. He was being yeah. he was being political. That was a political stance where he was going to be able to, and I think he did score political points with the right, and even in, with moderates about you know Disney fighting back against that bill, a bill that I mean, look, if you're Disney, you should have left it alone. You were you were kowtowing to a very small minority. Yeah. Well, and, and, and you kind of look at the, so look at the business side of it. I mean, if let's just say that, that, that would have all gone through from a financial standpoint, from an investment standpoint, you know, Disney kind of comes out of that smelling like a rose. Um, you know, yeah, their taxes go up a little bit, but less than probably what they shell out to run the whole thing. And it would have had, you know, they could have had their bonds, $2 billion forgiven. But, you know, and Disney did say, hey, we committed to, you know, paying these things and not putting them on the quote-unquote citizens of Orange and Osceola County, um, which that's their way of saying, hey, we can't, this deal can't happen until these bonds are satisfied and we'll hang on to them until, I think it was like, I don't know, maybe 2030 is when they, the last one expires. I may be wrong about, about that. Um, so both of them kind of came out with wins. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Just... He, but you're right. Disney probably should have stayed out of that. I think he scored political points. I think he knew what he was doing. I think he's he's clearly laying the groundwork for a 2024 run. Probably like a lot of people, just waiting to see what that guy at Mar-a-Lago decides to do. <laughs> yes, hopefully, just stay at Mar-a-Lago. And if I'm if I'm the Democrats, I'm praying Trump runs. I'm praying Trump runs. Because Trump is so competitive and can be so nasty that he'll take shots at DeSantis. He might attack DeSantis. And if he does, then he's doing some of your dirty work. Yeah. Because if DeSantis is allowed a clean path to a nomination and the the election becomes like a lot of elections are on first-term presidents, an indictment or a, or a ballot, I should say, on – Biden, I mean, he's going to win. Going to cruise. Going to cruise. I mean, he'll cruise, barring some scandal. Yeah. Anyway, and hopefully, he doesn't have one. Um. Thanks, everybody, for making this party week. Thanks to yeah. um. Thanks, Martin. I know you're you'll be out next week, so we'll be back in two weeks. Well, I'll be. I may see. I'll chat with you offline to see if if we can push to Friday next week. But the following week, I'm with Christopher on his senior trip um he just has class day oh well, thursday that, morning and maybe we can either push the afternoon or you know what let's plan or, on uh, that because that friday or something let's, like let's that. plan on that because i just remembered people are hearing our personal stuff at this point that's okay um i've got to go to fayetteville on the 11th to move caroline out so i will be in fayetteville moving her on thursday the 12th so yeah we can do next friday that's fine I'll okay. look at calendar team. Okay. And I'll text you. All right. So we'll get all that figured out. We'll be back with you guys soon with another edition yep. of Mind <laughs> on My Money. It's brought to you by Pinnacle. Don't forget to get in touch with Martin and all of the great people at Pinnacle. It's mypinwealth.com, M-Y-P-I-N-N, wealth.com. For Martin Palomo, I'm Neil McCready. Have a great weekend. Talk to you soon. Take care. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.